This is Carrie and Michelle, and welcome to Raising Your Consciousness. This is a space to raise our consciousness and reach our full spiritual potential. And that's through spiritual, esoteric, and even magical practices. We're here to bring happiness and meaning back into your life. Let's get started. So good afternoon, everyone. Today, we are going to be talking about past lives. This is such a fun subject. I love the subject, don't you? I know you're super excited about it. I am very excited. And I definitely want to talk to you as a hypnotist about Mm -hmm. past lives, because I think you might have a lot to add with your expertise. Well, you know, what's interesting about that is I don't get as many people as you would think wanting to have past life regressions. However, most of the time when people do it, they start getting really nervous. They get very nervous about it because they're afraid of what they might end up finding out. Like people are afraid that they were like an axe murderer or something in a past life. And, yes. <laughs> and then the other thing is they're afraid they can't do it. Like they're afraid they get nothing. And then they end up kind of creating like a blocking sensation to be able to receive anything. So I personally have gotten into the practice of telling people, let's um, do a few sessions before we kind of engage into that. Or I can just read it for you and tell you can actually tap in and see their past lives. And I think that's always kind of fun because I can actually, you know, sense it, feel it, visualize it, know a little bit about it. And that's always been kind of interesting to be able to just randomly, hey, so did you know that this Mm -hmm. is is why you feel this way? Because in a past life, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) That's always kind of interesting to bring up. But yes, I've actually even had clients when we were doing a hypnosis session, they actually did a spontaneous regression, automatically went into a past life. When I would Mm -hmm. do like a a timeline regression on them to say, go to the first time you ever felt this way or go to the area in which you're blocked, they immediately would go into a regression and they would pull up a past life experience. And it wasn't intentional. We were really just trying to do it in this timeline because usually that's where the problems reside is the problems we create, right? Mm -hmm. And there's been some times where that didn't happen that way. It wasn't about this timeline. And they ended up finding really interesting things. I had a client that was really having a hard time with jealousy. And she couldn't stand going anywhere in public with her husband. Because if a woman would walk by with like slow heels, she immediately would assume that he was thinking about wanting to have sex with her. Mm. And then they get into these big fights. And it would cause a big problem. So she came to me to try to resolve some of it. And when we were working on that, using the hypnosis to kind of find out where this is coming from, it actually went into a past life where she was actually a prostitute. And she dealt with a lot of men cheating on their wives. Mm -hmm. So that's where it kind of came from. And when she was able to kind of pull up that information, it actually resolved her problem because she saw where it was coming from and she was able to kind of like resolve it within herself. Yeah, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I don't know if you've read anything by Brian Weiss. He's a a psychiatrist. Yeah. Yeah, So he's done this sort of hypnosis on clients and he got into the past life because a client like just what he was trying to, to work out her phobias from her childhood, but she ended up up in a past life regression 
uh, kind of spontaneously. And then over his career, he found that, well, you know, regressing people really did clear up like phobias and issues in their present life, which I think is why it's such an appealing idea. At least for me, I'd love to be able to make it work and, and see if I can resolve some of my fears and phobias. You know, it's interesting because I've actually had like spontaneous regression, not by choice. Mm. I had, uh, do you want me to tell you a little bit about it? I would love to tell me about it. <laughs> okay. So when I was uh, married to my first husband, and then this is going to sound really, really uh, weird here, but during sex, I would suddenly, boom, I was gone. And I started to see myself in another timeline. Like I was literally there. It was the weirdest thing. It was literally like I jumped time, not like visualizing it, but like I was there, right, like I was right. really there. And I, I kept on wanting to know more about it and more. And I got obsessed with this particular timeline to the point to where I became obsessed with the person that I was in love with in this timeline. And I was convinced that it wasn't the guy I was married to. And that in this lifetime, I had to find him. Right. And when we divorced, and that wasn't the reason we divorced. <laughs> but when we divorced, I I was on a hunt for my Marcus. But I'm actually convinced that he did not incarnate in this lifetime now. Mm. But it was, um, it was interesting because it was set in, um, I think, like France... But mm -hmm. I was in royalty, but I wasn't a queen or a princess. I was mm -hmm. like a lady or something mm -hmm. like that. I was at a, enough of a level that there was arranged marriages. And because of the, the hierarchy and the way things worked in those days, you had to marry somebody of the same level of royalty to help with a country. And, you know, kind of like... Um, they're trying to resolve war or create allies. So they would create marriages to do that. So I was um, very young. I would say maybe 16. Mm -hmm. And I was in love with this guy who was a knight mm -hmm. for our country. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he was dark haired. He was muscular. Mm -hmm. He had an olive complexion. He was super handsome, but he was much older than me. Mm -hmm. So I would say he was in his 30s. And or late 30s, mid 30s, somewhere in that range. And we would sneak off into the woods and meet. And we, there was like a little cabin out there that we would go out and have our affair. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and there was these wonderful moments, you know, that we had. We were laughing. He was chasing me around the lake. It was a beautiful relationship. One day they told me that I had to marry this other guy. And I was very upset about it. And I saw this ballroom where all these people were in the ballroom. And when I came out, they were presenting me. He was on the other end in the front. And so I was walking in and everybody separated and created this pathway for me. And there he was in this uniform type garb, you know, with the sash and the whole nine yards, mm -hmm. you know, some kind of high level like prince or something right. and he was redheaded and fair-skinned mm -hmm. and very skinny and tall 
Mm. When I saw him, I was disgusted. (laughs) I mean, can you imagine? I was like in love with this tall, dark, handsome, gorgeous, Mm -hmm. fabulous man. He was a knight, you know. Mm -hmm. Here he was, the skinny, wimpy, redheaded, you know. Mm -hmm. Not to say the redheads aren't attractive. In that timeline, I was appalled by it, you know. He wasn't your type. Yeah, in that timeline. You know, mm-hmm. not to say that that's not attractive. It's mm-hmm. just that was unattractive to me. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> and that was the first time I ever saw him. And I was, mm-hmm. you know, engaged to this guy. Yeah. So I continued to sneak off. And he started following me. Oh, no. And he caught me with him. And he was very angry and he was on his horse and he literally, he had some sort of like spear or something and he threw it. Mm-hmm. He was trying to kill me because he was so oh, angry. Right. And my um, lover jumped mm-hmm. out in front and he took it and he died in my arms. He took the spear. Oh no. He died in my arms. And then because of that, because he killed him, I refused to marry. I said, you know, now I had grounds to like refuse the marriage because he was a murderer. Yeah. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I never, I, I don't recall marrying in that lifetime. There was a war that ended up happening and I ended up um, bringing a whole bunch of people out into that area where that those woods to kind of for refuge mm-hmm. and created some sort of um, place where I was saving people and heal, you know, like healing them, creating kind of like a, what do you call it? Like, we're like a healing area. Like a sanctuary? Not really. Um, oh, you know, like a, some sort of medical. Yeah. Like a medical area. Like okay. area. Yeah. I created a place like that for those people. And I was going in and grabbing people when I, cause I would listen to when I would hear something, somebody was going to be under attack. And I was literally like, grab a whole bunch of people and take them over here to keep them from getting their Mm -hmm. villages from getting burned down because my country was Mm -hmm. literally going in and burning down villages. Now I feel like it was a religious war, but I don't have all the details about that. Mm -hmm. I feel like that there, it had something to do with that. They were definitely going in and burning villages. So I would kind of learn about some of the things that was going to happen. And I would, pull them out and save them and bring them into this Mm -hmm. refuge area so they wouldn't die. Um, That's really all that I know about it. But um, because of that relationship and how much I loved him, I was definitely seeking out trying to find him for a really long time. Yeah, I even would tell that story to a few people I dated. And they like I dated this one guy named Mark for a while and he was like I'm your Marcus you know (laughs) he tried (laughs) he tried he tried Uh absolutely yeah but it wasn't uh it wasn't meant in that lifetime so I mean it wasn't meant in this lifetime Mm -hmm. to you know do it so it's interesting that was probably the most profound one that I've had but I've had flashes of other things I went to art school I don't know if you knew this or not but I did Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So originally I went to the art institute. I went there for two years and got an associate's degree and then ended up um, finishing off and getting um, a bachelor's degree later in marketing. But I got um, associate's degree in graphic design when I was in art school and I went to, I was going to the art institute of Houston. 
I had these projects I had to do and we had to hand paint things like create a stamp that represents a specific artist style. Mm -hmm. And I had to study the artist and then try to create or mimic his style in the stamp. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't like little, it was like, Like yeah, it was a big, big one, you know? And the intricacy that I had to do with this particular artist, I remember it was, I was staying up really late because I had to wait till everybody went to sleep so I could do this. And I was mm. painting these very detailed things. And I had this flashback that I was um, a young boy who was studying under a very famous artist. He was a big guy with long hair and a beard. Mm-hmm. I don't know who he was. I never really got any more information than that, but that I was coughing a lot. I was studying under him. I was his apprentice. I was coughing a lot and ended up dying at a very young age of tuberculosis. So what's interesting about that is there's a couple of things, like there's a couple of lifetimes where I died from, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. So I've always like fear of if I get something caught in my throat or all water down the wrong pipe or Mm -hmm. something that you inhale and it's like (gasps) going to this like straight up panic. It's, it's interesting because the biggest fear that I have is dying from not being able to breathe. Mm-hmm. And after having that um, experience from tuberculosis, it's, um, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's, I know you, you have a lot of information that you were wanting to share with us. Well, I have a, I have a lot of information, a lot of questions. Um, uh-huh. So, you know, I approach this from like kind of a more intellectual mm-hmm. view because I haven't had good luck with uh, past life regression. I've tried a few times and I've gotten very little. And I think part of it is something you hit on earlier with being afraid to look back. I think I am a little bit inhibited um, to look back. It's, this is a hard fear to talk about. And I know a lot of people have this fear, but I am terrified of being buried alive. Like mm. I used to have... Um, really major anxiety about this. Like, you know, we've talked already about kind of some mental health issues. I used to like really have like major rumination of like someone kidnapping me and putting me in a coffin and burying me alive. And I just couldn't, I couldn't remove these thoughts from my brain. And it still terrifies me to the point where I've made it known, like I want to be cremated full stop (laughs) because... I got to be sure. Honey, so <laughs> you know, we could do a follow up on this because mm-hmm. what I would love to do is actually do a past life regression on you to find out where that's coming from or even just a session to see where that's coming from. Would you be interested in doing Oh, that? absolutely. I'm sure our audience would love to hear it. <laughs> we should yeah. try it. I'm I'm afraid like so I did read of an account of um, someone who had the same fear. And when they did a past life regression, they found that they had in a past life been buried alive in Mm -hmm. a coffin. Like this is, I can't even, you know, wrap my mind around that terror. And the, the account was like after the regression, they felt so much more at peace. Like they were no longer afraid of enclosed spaces. It was fine. And it's just like, well, I, I have, I mean, to me, it would be taking a leap of faith to like believe mm-hmm. that 
rather, I'm afraid it will be terrifying Mm -hmm. to go through that experience. So that I think is inhibits me from getting into it. I've read a ton um, of techniques and methods, and I've also tried to prime myself on just the validity of the idea. Have you ever heard of this Dr. Ian Stevenson by any chance? Is is well known or not? But you know, he, he had a medical degree, and he ran a lab at the University of Virginia that all they did was study past life experiences and reincarnation. So his peers in the field really were not accepting at all of his work, but he did hard science on this and he's deceased now. He died, I think in 2007. Um, But what really made me interested in what he was doing was his work with children Mm -hmm. Um, because children, they're knowing things that, you know, that they shouldn't know about these past lives. And it's hard to like think of a children like coming up with a, a, a fake true story about past life, they're just like spouting out stuff. And the evidence that I've started to look into from this guy is, is quite compelling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it almost gives you chills. You start thinking about how compelling these stories are. I don't know if you want to hear any of them. I can tell you maybe. I, yeah, tell me. <laughs> that so really there's this one story he talks about these twins in Sri Lanka And both twins, when they were very young, would talk about what they were in past lives, but the parents just sort of like poo-pooed it, right? They just like, whatever. And the one twin, though, had so many details about their life with this family, right? Knowing like family names and descriptions of places. The child ended up um, talking about this family so much they found like where like the family lived now. And inside that house, the child found etched on the wall, the deceased child's name, what, who that child was when that child died. And apparently it was a pretty traumatic death. And like the family had lived there, didn't know that was there on the wall. It's pretty like, how, how does that even happen? It's hard to come up with, you know, an explanation for mm-hmm. these sorts of things. And that's only one of the stories that I read. I found that that's interesting you say that because when I first had that vision, I was in my 20s and I never really was into, you know, history at all. I mean, I love history now, mm-hmm. but at the time I didn't know anything about history. So he was wearing like this chained thing around his body and then when I started to discover that that's what the knights wore, mm-hmm. this chained, like, you know, to protect themselves, I realized, oh, my God, how would I know that? Right, right. Yeah. Where is that information coming right. from? Right, exactly. And that's, that's what's so fascinating about it. That's what's so exciting about it. You know, you pull up information mm-hmm. that you can actually track. But, um It's pretty shocking. Um, And also, I know like one thing we wanted to talk about in this episode was like, why, why would you do this? Like, what is the, what is the purpose of this? Why are we, why do we have these past lives? What is, what do we get out of them? And I, and I know you've, if, since you've worked with clients, maybe you can talk a bit about how seeing into your pre-existence in another (laughs) incarnation can be useful for your present life. 
Yeah, I think from my understanding, and like I said, I'm going to kind of emphasize this as from my quote unquote understanding, because Mm -hmm. I'm not the all end all knower of all things. But I will say that what has been explained to me from my guides, I can share that and, you know, we can see how we feel about it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But the way that it was explained to me is that each lifetime we come in to do something. So what we're doing here is prior to that lifetime, we will have a discussion about what we want to learn, who we want to be, how we want to learn this, and what we need to kind of go through to be able to accomplish that. Like, what's the purpose of this? And, and when you put all those things together, a lot of times it can't always be accomplished in one lifetime. So sometimes you experience the one section of it and then another part of it comes through in another lifetime. And I'll explain that to you in a second. Also, too, a lot of times what we need to do is experience duality. So, for instance, like in one lifetime, I may be an accountant Mm -hmm. in another lifetime. I'm a gambler. The reason for that is that we experience a duality so that we can come into a neutral space, kind of like walking in between the pillars. You know, we are coming into a neutral space is sort of like the middle ground. Right. And ultimately that's what we're trying to do is learn to walk the middle path. Right. right. Absolutely. And, and for us, we, sometimes we have to experience, experience the extreme opposite so that we can counteract the emotion or the feeling of that thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense for you? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of times people will, you know, like you said, they're fearful of those things Mm -hmm. because they're afraid of what they might find out. But what's really wonderful is that in another lifetime, they may have done something completely opposite of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, it's it's important for us to kind of understand that it's all about understanding the duality and coming into the middle pathway to be able to neutralize the opinion that we have about certain things so that we're not so, you know, gun ho on one thing, you know, absolute exactly. right wing, left wing, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's about being a lot more accepting. Mm-hmm. And the only way that we can do this is through go through many lifetimes. Sure. I mean, we can't accomplish a complete soul's evolution without doing multiple lifetimes. I mean, if it was up to just one lifetime, how do I how do I grow as a soul? Mm-hmm. And you know, one of the other questions that I always had was if there wasn't reincarnation and there's all these souls that just keep on getting created, what are they doing? <laughs> up in heaven, you know. Yeah, he's kind of like, yeah, you know what? I'm gonna mm-hmm. have to kick you out because you know we don't mm-hmm. have enough space for you, so the rules get a little stricter. You know, mm-hmm. it's for me. I find that it just seems that to me seems more impossible or unrealistic mm-hmm. to think that we're only experiencing one lifetime when we have the opportunity to evolve through our experiences. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the idea of taking on, you know, different um, roles, different genders, um, Mm -hmm. totally different lifestyles, 
to me that that's like a lesson in itself of, mm. of empathy, right? Of that, like literally walking in someone else's shoes. So I want to, I'm going to share something else that mm. happened to me, if you don't mind. I did and, not mind and how, how that duality actually played in. Now this mm. particular one, I know how the duality played in the other one. I'm not really sure yet. I haven't really figured <laughs> it out, <laughs> but in this lifetime, I know that this particular duality, um, is being played out in this lifetime. I mean, my current one. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I was involved in the Salem witch trials. I was actually a witch that was creating like herbs and remedies, you know, for people. Mm-hmm. And there was a a priest or a pastor or a preacher, whatever you want to call him. And he would secretly come to me for these remedies. Mm. He wouldn't tell anybody because it was against his religion, but he would secretly come to me for these remedies. Well, he also came to me to ask me questions about the future and his future. And I told him that he was going to do something really bad, but I didn't realize that what he was going to do that was really bad was about me. So I'm over here reading his fortune and I said, you're going to, you're going to do something really bad and it's going to tarnish your soul. Mm-hmm. And you won't be able to let go of this very easily. And it's going to take you multiple lifetimes after that to be able to work through that. And he got very angry with me. Mm-hmm. And he called me out as a witch and he burned me at the stake. Oh. How I found out about this was with my current husband. Mm-hmm. And we used to go to these beach parties all the time. (laughs) And so every summer, once a month, some of our friends would get together. A whole bunch of us would get together and have these big bonfire parties. Mm -hmm. There was always somebody doing something really bizarre there. Mm -hmm. You know, there's this person that had these long sticks that have fire on the end of it. And she'd twirl it around and toss it. Oh, yeah. Poi spinning. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And so there was like a lot of what we call fire play or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And brought somebody up there and she like put fire on them and then wiped it off on their skin. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, how do you do that? What are you doing? How do you, you know, yeah. how does that work? And I was so fascinated by does it burn? Does it burn? And, mm-hmm. um, and Shane says, oh, I've done it before. Lots of times it doesn't hurt. And I go, okay, well, if you've done it, I'd rather you do it to me mm-hmm. than anybody else. So I had like on a bathing suit top and I was like, all right, go ahead. And I'm like, arms are out, you know, go Mm -hmm. ahead. And I was like, I'm going to close my eyes and because you don't want to watch because it's so cool. And I was like, close my eyes. I don't know. Everybody's gathered around watching and immediately I had a flashback. (gasps) I mean, it took me there. It took me there. Yeah. And I literally started screaming and crying. And he was like, what, what, what? And immediately wipes it off. And he goes, are you okay? Are you hurt? Are you burned? And I was like, no. And I just sat there and I, you know, and he helped me and I was just mm-hmm. crying and crying, crying. And I told him, I said, I was burned at the stake. Um, and he just had helped me while I was crying. So, you know, when, with our studies and the things mm-hmm. that we're doing, I was talking to my guide about my secrecy uh-huh. <laughs> that that I do, you know, like mm-hmm. not letting people know exactly who I am and why. And he asked me, like, why is it that I could be so talented and I only use it when I need it? 
Why is it that I'm not using it throughout my daily life? Why am I not using it to help other people? Why am I not, you know, and he was asking me all these questions. And then I was like, I don't know. I don't know. And he goes, okay, well, let's go there. And literally the flash came up. Yeah. Now we know. Mm Because the last time you did this, some joker burnt you at the stake. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly, you got it. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, whoa, that's why. And I literally in that moment started to cry. And I was like, how do you get past that? I don't know if you remember me posting that in a forum. I was literally like, how do you get past being burned at this stage? (laughs) (laughs) Did anybody get back to you? (laughs) Yeah, actually, one of the higher up ladies, that's Mm -hmm. the one that uh, did a class with us that was explaining a couple of things to us one time. She's the English lady. Oh, okay. Yes. Older English lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she jumped in and um, really kind of, she said a few things openly and then she messaged me privately and Mm -hmm. we had like a little, you know, discussion about it. But I was working on that for a while. And yeah, I was working on it for a while because all of a sudden it was like more fear hit me. The second that I knew it, my, then I was even, you know, you're talking about people getting over it. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. I went deeper there. I was like, oh, people are mean and hateful and they will crucify you. And they may not burn me at the stake, but it's going to feel like it if people start mm-hmm. attacking me for my belief structures. Okay. Because that's how people have been through. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And continue to be, unfortunately. Yeah. Very Mm -hmm. judgmental. Mm -hmm. And she said to me that maybe you came back in this lifetime to resolve that problem and overcome it. Mm. And that was like something that really kind of hit the core with me. Mm -hmm. And I said, you're right. You're right. And she says, like, you need to meditate on that. (laughs) And um, I really started working on it. And I had meetings with our male proctor. I had meetings with the female proctor. I had a couple of meetings with one of the higher ups. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was like there was a bunch of them. (laughs) Me trying to work on resolving this, really trying to get past it because I knew that that was holding me back because my guides have been telling me that I needed to do more spiritual work with people. Mm -hmm. And I've stayed away from that Mm -hmm. unless somebody literally came out and said, this is what I want. Right. Instead of me kind of introducing it or even openly talked about it and I wouldn't do it. I kept it very neutral. Mm hmm. And a lot of times, like if you ever go back and watch any of my YouTubes or any of my videos or any of my older podcasts or anything that I've done in the past, I would say it doesn't really matter who your God is or what you believe or what your religion is. And I would keep it very like, you know, I would always find that way of helping people relate to what I was saying by, you know, Mm -hmm. talking about all the different paths. Mm -hmm. And I still believe that way. I just was very cautious, not because I was concerned about them, but because I was concerned about me. Mm-hmm. Well, after you went through, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that is a probably a really good example of working out something in a different lifetime, because now 
obviously, mm-hmm. you know, I've decided to come out of the closet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, let people know what I'm capable of doing. And I have done some really cool things for people. Mm-hmm. And each time I do it, it feels very empowering to be able to help these people through things by opening up a, a space that they've never sat in before, you know? Mm-hmm. Realize that it, it's not about mixing herbs or invoking spirits or um, casting spells or any of that kind of stuff. What it is, is about communing with the divine and connecting with that and becoming like one with that. And in that space, there's a lot that can be done. You can heal other people emotionally, mentally, physically, you know, just um, even their past lives, you can work on them with that and healing that area. So I can really understand this thing that happened to you. But what I'm curious about is how it happened, why it happened. I would like to do something with that with you so that we can kind of see if in this lifetime you are here to resolve that problem. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I would be interested. A little scared, but interested, <laughs> <laughs> interested too. <laughs> so, I, so I'm interested. Why are you scared? <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I'm not even sure. It just feels like a terror that I don't understand. Um, and that's all I really, you know, I don't have, I don't, I'm not able to articulate where this fear is coming from. So you're, are you afraid of re-experiencing? This? Yeah, I think I'm afraid of re-experiencing. I'm afraid that it is actually real, that that actually did happen to me. I'm afraid that, I mean, I really don't want to find that out because <laughs> I know it sounds really silly, but, well, like, but the, we need to find that out. The thought of it is yeah. just, um, oh, almost unbearable. Um and, and I don't have a lot of fears. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I don't have a lot of phobias. There's not many things that, you know, scare me. But, like, the that the, the buried alive thing is, like, if, there, if there's, like, a movie and it, like, even goes anywhere near that, I can't, I can't watch it. And I won't, I'll have problems sleeping for days after. I just can't handle it. So does this affect you in your day-to-day life like elevators or anything like that um i mean i usually don't take elevators i usually do avoid um closed spaces i don't like being on airplanes um Mm -hmm. i i don't you know i'm generally just kind of avoid closed spots i guess what happens if you have to be in those spaces like an airplane? Uh, I'm pretty uncomfortable. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for I, I had some serious for in my previous job, I had to travel a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, I really had to do um, a lot of like preparation. Um, I even I did see a hypnotist, which helped me to mm-hmm. get re- over the fear of flying. I did find that hypnosis worked really well for that. But mm-hmm. I will say like, it's something that I had to keep up with, like, before every time, um, Mm -hmm. like just to be consistent, but I always had a heart. I always hated it. I always felt uncomfortable. I just, it's just like, uh, I don't know, like a terror. I can't quite understand because I know about the physics of flight. Air travel is quite safe. Um, you know, the, the, when you think of an airplane, it's really hard for a plane to, to crash, 
I know all about the physics of flight and I, I trust it, but it even isn't so much about the plane crash for some reason, like being on that plane, just and in, in that cramped space, just no good for me. Um, so well, we're going to have to work on that because you and I are going to be doing a lot of traveling in the future. <laughs> I know we have a lot of places to go speak at and book signings and all kinds. Of yeah. We're going to have to work on this because it, it, it is hard and it, yeah. it it makes me, it frustrates me because there are a lot of places I really would I really want to go and that I've had the opportunity to go to that I've turned down um, because of my, my fears. And I've even, um, oh, some years ago, um, this is when I had my, my current job teaching, there was a conference that I was going to go to and I couldn't continue the flight um, or the second flight. I got off the first plane and had to transfer. And I was so overwhelmed. Like I, I drove home, like rented a car and drove home. I couldn't do it. It was just like this. And it's so embarrassing to talk about this because it just seems like people fly every single day. And again, I'm safer in an airplane than I am in my car. But being in that space, I find kind of terrifying. So, well, yes, the closed spaces. That, but I'm curious as to what, how this applies to this lifetime. So, I have no idea. Well, you uh, know, like with me, it was, it really wasn't about being burned at the stake. It was about being judged. So yeah. I'm just curious what's, what else is around that for you that you need to work out through in this lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't. So it's kind of like one of those things. Like if I do this, this will happen to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you, do you understand like yeah. that feeling? Like if I do yeah. this, this will happen to me. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think it's going to take some, like really some courage. Um, and again, you know, for my preparation for this episode was doing a ton of reading about past lives and, and all of the techniques I've read about have all been very similar. And in each one, they tell you to affirm that, you know, you're going to be perfectly safe. This is, you can leave this experience at any time. And I think... I need to remind myself of that mm -hmm. um, in doing this because oh. I still have a lot of fear. One of the things, uh, a couple of things, when I'm doing the past life regressions, I always have them viewing it like mm -hmm. they're not in it. They're just mm -hmm. viewing it like I'll have them sit in a movie theater and they're watching it like they're watching a movie so that they don't feel that terror. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And also, too, the... With me, one of the things that I personally did was I went back and I paid a lot of attention to what happened while I was being burned because I wanted all the details around it so I could fix it, you know? Mm -hmm. So I did a regression on myself multiple times to be able to re-experience it. And one of the things that happened, interestingly enough, was that he as he was burning me or whatever, he was mouthing off a bunch of stuff because he was so angry with me that sounded almost like a curse, mm. you know, like I curse you and I curse your children and I curse all the lifetimes after that kind of thing. And there was, uh, there was quite a bit that was said mm -hmm. 
And what I did was I created a, an empowered symbol. Mm -hmm. And I went back to that timeline. I saw myself as me going there as me, not as the person being burned. So I literally like threw the symbol on her. Mm -hmm. And then I moved through the different lifetimes and just kept on throwing that symbol over and over and over again, basically removing what might have been a curse. Mm -hmm. And here's the interesting thing. Now this gets really weird. Okay. <laughs> on Instagram, I kept on having these psychics stalk me. Okay. What? Seriously. It was like one after another, they were stalking me and they kept on saying, I'm getting this feeling about you. I get this feeling about you. I need to talk to you. And I just thought it was this thing that mm -hmm. they were trying to make money and get money off of it. And so one of them told me it was like $10. So I thought, well, $10, I'll pay the $10, yeah. you know? And, and she told me that I had a curse and I didn't believe in curses. So mm -hmm. I was like, you're full of shit. <laughs> you know and and then she was trying to tell me that it was first she said it was my mother and I'm like my mother mm -hmm. is the best Christian lady you've ever met in your entire life there's no way my mother put a curse on me okay mm -hmm. so then it happened to me again and mm -hmm. this lady like she wouldn't stop she was literally like I mean, just kept on coming at me over and over and over and over and over again and just wouldn't let it go. My ancestors are telling me I have to talk to you, you know, I'll do it for, you know, a love donation. It doesn't really matter. So I was like, well, shit, I'll give you $10. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, finally, I was like, but I set the stage and I said, okay, here's the rules. I just want you to just give me a reading on my career. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I don't want you to tell me anything about my mother and I don't want you to say anything about her. So that's the rule. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is don't tell me I have a curse. Mm -hmm. Okay. She's like, Oh no, only love, only love. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then next thing you know, she gives me this reading and she tells me a lot of stuff that was accurate about mm -hmm. what had been going on in my life. So that's the first part. But then all of a sudden she starts telling me I had a curse. And then she said it was coming from my mother. So I was so upset. I was like, I told you not to say those things. And you did it anyway. She goes, I can't help it. My guides are telling me I need to tell you this. So I was like, I don't believe in curses. She goes, but it's real. And she kept on and on and on. She was, she was relinquished. I mean, literally wouldn't stop. Okay. So we sat there arguing back and forth on Instagram mm -hmm. you know, about this. And and she said, and I said, it's impossible. My mother is an amazing person. She goes, I'm not saying it's your mother. I'm saying it's from your mother's side. And I said, okay, but my mother's family is like the nicest, sweetest, kindest people. And she says, you don't know this person. So then I was like, so then she just kept on. And the more we peeled the onion back, I was like, all right, you know what? All right, just give me some details. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's not my mom and it's not my anybody, you know. So come to find out, she was like, this person was very angry with you because they knew that potentially, you know, that you you're, you had something good to give to the world and they were trying to stop you. Mm -hmm. So I was, she's like, it's so important in this lifetime that you overcome all this because you're supposed to do some great things. Hmm. So, you know, mm -hmm. I was like, all right, 
you know, thanks for telling me. I don't believe in curses, but okay. Mm -hmm. But then when I'm talking to my guides, they brought up, like, they said, okay, let's find out why you're so fearful. And then, you know, the thing came up. And then the guy that was so judgmental and what happened around that and come to find out he was the one that was like, yeah, doing that. And I was like, Oh my God, she was right. So I fixed it. Yeah. I mean, uh, the thing that he cursed me with was a repetitive thing that kept on coming up in my life. Mm. over and over and over again and I did this thing and boom it was gone I mean it was gone it was like literally the next day I felt like I felt like something had been lifted off of me you know but I personally believe in doing this yourself like mm-hmm. one of the things I was arguing with the lady about is like, well, thanks for telling me I'll take care of it. And she's like, yeah. oh, I can't, I have to do it. No, that's actually not true. Mm-hmm. You're going to get better results if you do it yourself. But what I've found is that a lot of people either don't have the knowledge to be able to do it themselves. They don't know how. Mm-hmm. And another thing is, um, and maybe that's why she said that, but some people don't know how and mm-hmm. other people are too afraid. Yeah. You know, they're going to do it wrong or, you know, won't work. Or they're just sitting in too much fear. Mm-hmm. They, they just don't want, they want somebody else to do it. So I can understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, but in general, you're the one who needs to go back in time and fix it. Mm-hmm. The bottom line. Even if, if I was guiding through somebody through that, like if somebody came to me and they said, I need you to you know, fix this for me, I would still guide them through time and have them fix it themselves. Here's what we're going to do. I'm not going to mm-hmm. go and like remove that for them. They mm-hmm. have to do it themselves. They have to figure out what's the source, who did it, and get rid of it. Mm. No? Does that make sense? You know, and I'm still not a believer in curses, okay? <laughs> I think that what happens is, is that if somebody says something to you, like, I curse you, then you literally will believe it and you'll mm-hmm. start playing that out. Yeah. I've had several people come to me saying, I'm cursed. Somebody put a curse on me. And I said, okay, well, I don't really believe in curses, so let's handle this from a different angle. Right. We fix the problem without removing a curse. Why? Because it changed his belief system mm-hmm. about himself and what he can accomplish. And by doing that, that kind of removed it because you can carry a belief through a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Okay. So did he really curse me? No. What he did was he implanted something on the point of my death of something that I was, I carried inside of me and it just kind of traveled through time. Mm -hmm. And it was something that in this lifetime I had to overcome. I had to overcome that fear of being judged. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tell you, it has been a theme of my life Mm -hmm. through the upbringing of the church religion. I mean, I was put into a very judgy church from Mm -hmm. childhood. So it's interesting how, if you think about it, most people sit in pain and trauma and they don't see it as we're here to overcome that pain and trauma. That's why we're experiencing it is to overcome it in this lifetime. Mm -hmm. Does that answer your question about the purpose of it? Yes. Um, I I feel like I have some work to do in exploring this. I am going to try. I'm going to try again um, Mm -hmm. with some of the techniques I've learned. And I will report back. I definitely think we should. What what comes out of it? 
And if you need me to guide you through any anything, I'll be perfectly willing to do it. Right. But I definitely think that we need to revisit the subject as of once you discover what that challenge was and how you overcame it. So you guys stay tuned for another series. It'll be a little while for Carrie to work through this. But once we do, we will definitely revisit the subject about Carrie overcoming this issue and how it's impacted her life and how she actually changed that thing inside of her So we will see you soon. And I hope that you enjoyed this segment on past lives. If you have any questions, please post the questions. Have a wonderful day. Bye, everybody. Hi, this is Michelle. And I want to take this opportunity to thank you for engaging in this podcast and taking this journey with us where we are raising your consciousness. Make sure that you follow us on Instagram and on Facebook so that you can actually engage with us, ask us questions, offer some suggestions or anything that you would be willing to, you know, throw out there for us. We want to engage with our public. We look forward to hearing back from you and starting this journey. See you next time.